Well, good morning. If you have a Bible, I would invite you to take it up and turn with me to the book of Colossians. It's towards the back of your Bible. If you're unfamiliar with your way around the Bible, please take no embarrassment of being able to take one of the pew Bibles in front of you and kind of find the table of contents. It's Colossians. It's in the New Testament. Or you can just turn to page 955 in the pew Bible that's provided for you, or you can Google it on any mobile device of your choice and you'll find it as well. Uh, Colossians chapter 3, we'll be looking at verses 12 through 14 as our text this morning. We've been uh, working our way through the book of Colossians, uh, taking in a series that we called Unparalleled, Unparalleled, and we've been working our way systematically through the book. If you would like to, to kind of go back and, and review where we've been and where our studies are, if you're new to this study or if you missed a week or two, uh, you can always find all of the information. Our sermons are online. We can commend them to you. Well, as well as a whole bunch of other information there for you. On Christmas, I received a gift, and it was a gift of a new pair of shoes. Um, they're not the ones I'm wearing now um, because they didn't fit. Um, they were they're great shoes. I really liked them. I opened. I was really excited until I put them on, and they didn't fit. And I don't know if you've had that experience as well. Um, so then I was eventually, uh, the plan was I got the receipt, I'd take them back to the store, get shoes that do fit, and I, you know, eventually wandered my way to the mall and got a, and, and got a pair of shoes that actually fit. But given the fact that um, it's winter and it's sloppy, I thought, well, I'm just going to hold on to these shoes until it's no longer winter, and then therefore I will, I will grace the world with my brand new shoes at that particular time. Well... It's not sloppy out, as you well know. It's like 60 degrees, or was, and so I thought, now is the time. So I put on the shoes, right? And I, and I told my wife, I said, I'm putting on the shoes. And she said, that's nice, honey. Um, but I went out, and we, we spent the day as a family out in public, and I had my new shoes. And I'm not going to lie to you, I had some swagger going on because I had the shoes. And then I was, re- I was a little bit kind of reflective and thinking, why... I mean, nobody cares that I have new shoes. Nobody even notices that I have new shoes on. But I know I have new shoes on, and it makes me feel like a better person because I've got the shoes. Have, have you ever had that experience? Where, where it's just this funny thing where you just go, yeah, I got new T-shirts, and I feel good. You know, and you're walking around with this swagger, and it's like, what? Well, there's, it's actually a thing. Did you know it's a thing? I, I learned it's a thing. I don't know a lot about it. Um, Samantha Boardman, Dr. Samantha Boardman was writing in Everyday Health, and she says this, when you wear something that makes you feel great, the effects may be subtle, the way you tilt your head, your facial expressions, or your body language, but they matter. It sends a message that you care about yourself, that when we look good, we feel good, and vice versa, she says. That when we when we put something on, it makes us feel good, and we, we walk out with a different bounce in our step. It's a thing. I bring that up because Paul says, the metaphor that Paul uses is he says, now we are to, as he's teaching the, the church in Colossae, he says, now you need to clothe yourself as one who is a follower of Jesus. You need to put Jesus' clothes on. And that ought to have an impact in how you live your life. That you need to put on the clothes of Christ, he says, as it were. Paul, we're telling them, you need to put to death. Last time when we did our study, earlier in this in the same chapter, he says, you need to put to death the things that were a part of your old nature, your earthly self. You need to put those things to death, but it's not enough just to put something to death. It has to be replaced with something else. And he says, the things that you replace them with are the clothes of Christ. 
But before we can get to the clothes and to the clothing of Christ, then we need to, he goes back again and says, but we need to be reminded, we need to be reminded first of who we are. And this is where Paul has just been relentless with us over the course of our studies. He says in verse 12, therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved. Before we get to the clothing that you need to put, your, put on, he says, I want to remind you one more time. Therefore, which means as a sort of concluding, because of all the things that we've already talked about, that I've already written to you about, he says, because I've already told you that you are in Christ, that your life, if you're a follower of Jesus, your life is hidden with Christ in God. I've told you. I've told you that Jesus, who is your life, your identity, who you are, is Christ and, and him being lived out through you. He says, we told you that. And he comes back one more time. Therefore, as God's chosen people, as a, right, as a result of all this thing, I want to, he says, therefore, if you are in Christ, if your identity is in Christ, if Christ is your life, then you are God's chosen people. You have been chosen. You have been picked. You have been picked by God. Your standing before God is not because of your actions. Your standing before God is not because of your goodness. Your standing before God is not because of your holy resume or your religious experiences or how many times you've been in church. Your standing before God is because God chose you. He chose you in Christ, that you are his people. Or as Paul writes in the book of Ephesians, he says, for he chose us in him, meaning in Christ, before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. That you have been chosen by God before the creation of the world. If you're in Christ, then he picked you. He chose you. You are his chosen people. In the Old Testament, he chose a nation, the nation of Israel. And now he chooses a people for himself in Christ and through the work of Jesus Christ. He's choosing people. He says, you've chosen. You've been chosen. The reason that you are a follower of Jesus is because God chose you. God's work by his spirit in your life to convict you of sin and show you your need for a savior and, and drawing you and wooing you to himself is the work of God. He chose you. Some of you say, well, well didn't I, didn't, let me, let me ask you a question. Didn't I have to choose to follow Jesus? Didn't, didn't I have to be the one who, got out of the seat and walked the aisle? Didn't I have to be the one who actually had to pray a prayer in order that I might be able to be a part of the family of God? And the answer is yes. Yes, of course you did. You had to, you, you had to admit yourself to be a sinner in need of a savior. And that savior and that only savior is Jesus Christ himself. Of course you did. You are, you, he says now, you, have cho you, you did choose indeed to follow after Jesus. And yet, then realizing that the only reason you chose to follow is because God has already been at work in your heart, already been convicting you of sin by his spirit. It's been said that there's a door, <laughs> and before you come to Christ, it says you must come. You, must, you, you, you walk, there's a doorway, of, if you will, a doorway of salvation, and above it says all who enter, you must enter the door. And of course, if you've followed after Jesus Christ, you've walked through the door. And then once you're on the other side, you look back at the doorway, and above it, it says, you have been chosen before the creation of the world. Both are true. Both are true. You chose to follow because God has chosen you, because he's wooed you 
because he's drawing you to yourself, to himself. And he says, therefore, you are God's people who have been chosen and are holy. You are holy, he says. You are set apart for him. That the world will know that there is a God because you have been set apart. You who are, have been chosen by God have been set apart for God. So that the world might be able to know that God is alive, that he lives, and that he's active. And he says, you've been chosen by God. You've been set apart for God. And you are dearly loved by God. This is who you are. If you're in Christ, he chose you. He set you apart for himself because he loves you, because you're dearly loved. It's as if God is saying to you this morning, to us this morning, to those first century Christians in Colossae, I want you to know, before you ever saw me, before you ever saw a need for me, before you ever believed in me, I want, I want you to know that I had my eye on you. I, wanted you to, I want you to know before even the creation of the world that I had my mind on you. I want you to know, if you're going to understand who you are, I want you to know that I've set you apart from me because I want you to know how dearly loved you are. Before we ever think about the clothing ourselves with the clothes of Christ, Paul says you need to be reminded of who you are in Christ, that you have been chosen by God, that you have been set apart for God, and that you are dearly loved by God. It's who you are in him. Or it's who you can become. If you're here this morning knowing yourself not to be a Christian, knowing yourself to be outside, on the outside looking in, why? Why not come? Why not walk through the door, as it were, and be able to know that you are dearly loved? He is wooing. He is calling you to come, to come to him. Paul says, therefore, it is us who are in Christ. He is who we are. We have been brought into the fullness of Christ, and we are to live now, live out of that fullness that we have been brought into. This is now what we are to wear Clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Again, Paul had instructed us in verse 5 to put to death the things of the earthly nature, to put to death the things of our, our, our default setting, the old, who we once were. Now that we are in Christ, he says, hey, we need to replace it. We need to, we need to uh, clothe ourselves with the uh, outfit of Christ. Uh, since I've been married, um, one of the things that has now become a tradition in our house is, you know, it's award season. And so award season is, of course, the Grammys and the Oscars and the Golden Globes and all of And prior to those, they have the red carpet. And my wife is a huge fan of the red carpet on E! And that's, of course, where all the celebrities come and they, they wear these, these phenomenal outfits. And, and then Ryan Seacrest is there and he asks them, uh, who are you wearing? And then they say... And I said, I have no idea. I mean, it's just, they're all, I mean, they're not all the same, but they're all the same. I mean, they're, they're, they're fancy, and, and what are you wearing? And so they do, <laughs> and they say. But, you know, so he's, now Paul is saying, now, who, who are you, who have you put on today? We need to clothe ourselves as one who is clothed consistent with who you are. See, I, I'm, I'm not going to lie to you. 
we are to wear clothes that are in keeping with who we are, with who our identity is. I, I'm not a pastor. I'm not a pastor. I'm not, I'm not a skinny jeans wearing guy. You're, you're welcome. Uh, I, I, I'm not, I'm not going to, you may think that what the world needs now is another pastor who wears skinny jeans and thick rimmed glasses. Um, and you may be right, but it's just not going to be me because it's just not, it's not my thing. It's not my jam. It's not my gig. It's not how I roll. It's just not my thing. I'm not going to wear skinny jeans. Um, I just can't be that guy. And those guys can save people um, just like, I mean, I don't know. Uh, there's lots of reasons why. It's just not who I am. And so therefore, it would be inconsistent for me to stand up here wearing skinny jeans because it's not who I am. And, it's, and so we're saying, now, if this is who we are, those who have been chosen by God, set apart for God, loved by God, then what does that look like for, what does it mean to clothe ourselves in a consistent way? He says, first of all, the Christian wardrobe is to put on compassion that you should be growing in your compassion for others. We are those who are to be growing and looking and seeing the world differently because it is as we, I don't know if this has been your experience, but it certainly has been mine, that once we see, once we've come to faith in Jesus Christ, then all of a sudden our heart begins to break differently than it ever did because once our heart was calloused, mostly calloused, a lot calloused to the needs of others, and unless being benevolent was going to somehow be self-serving for me, we wouldn't do it. Unless we were going to win the corporate award because we served enough days for their, our team then we would do it, but it's really self-serving. It's not out of the compassion of our heart for those who are hungry, for those who are lost, for those who are homeless, for those. There is this compassion where we say, because all of humanity is actually made in the very image of God, that because of the brokenness of our world, God's heart breaks for the brokenness of our world. I cannot have compassion for every need. I can't, nor can you. We can't have compassion for everything, but we can have compassion for something. And we can grow in our compassion and our care and our activity. My wife uh, serves in the local schools. She works with children with special needs. She has a great amount of capacity for, and compassion for these children that I don't have. For some of you, it's the elderly. For others of you, it's, it's, it's people who are incarcerated. It's where our hearts are moved for, out of love for Christ with compassion. We need to clothe ourselves with compassion. We need to be those folks we, who have our hearts are broken for the brokenness of our world. He says, not only do we, are we to clothe ourselves with compassion, but also with kindness. That you should be kind. That we should be seeking ways that we can extend kindness to others. And friends, I, there's, a, there's just a, a lack of kindness in our world these days. And we as the church are ones, we as Christians are those in our social media outlets, in our conversations with our neighbors, in the hallway conversations that we have with one another, ought to extend kindness to one another, ought to extend civility to one another. Because why? Because we love Jesus. Because that's the clothing of a Christian. You say, well, that's not revolutionary. I know. It's not that, it's not that hard to understand. Why has it become so difficult to do? If we are to be those who are Christians, we are those who are to have compassion for the brokenness of our world. We are to be those who clothe ourselves with a kindness, with kindness. 
and that we should be those who are growing in humility. Because when we grow in compassion, and just, if you're curious for a way to grow in compassion, go sit with somebody who's different than you. Take them to lunch and just listen. Just listen to their story. Listen to the story. They're not a category. They're a people. They're persons that we can just say, Jesus, I'm going to go do this so that I can grow in compassion. When we grow in compassion, when we seek kindness intent to be intentionally and purposefully to be kind to others, you know what happens? We become humble because we realize we don't know everything, that we don't have it all figured out. We actually learn from a different perspective. And we, clothe, we begin to clothe ourselves with the humility that we're called to as Christians, to be humble, to be humble. Compassion, kindness, humility, and gentleness. The way in which we interact with others ought to be gentle and kind and full of respect. Doesn't mean you, you don't have strong convictions doesn't mean you can't disagree with others, that you have to just waffle and have no backbone and no spine. That's not gentleness. It's being able to say the way in which you communicate your convictions is, is with, a, with a way of gentleness. There is a way to do that, friends. And we are those to be, we are, the, we are called upon by Christ to do that. Gentleness is the, the essence here, is a willingness to suffer injury rather to, than to inflict injury on someone else. It's being gentle with others, to take on the injury rather than to be the one who is causing it. And then he says to grow in patience. And we clothe ourselves with patience. And in the morning when we look ourselves in the mirror before we go out, we say, okay, now's an opportunity for me to clothe myself with patience because you'll be tested every day. An opportunity to be patient with others. Each of these are attributes for which the Christian is to put on this is what we are to put on because we are followers of Jesus. We are to clothe ourselves with these things because all of these things we saw as, in the, if we, as, we, as you look at Christ, he exemplified every single one of these. Every single one of them, Christ lived these things out perfectly. And because we've actually, we know Christ to have done these things, then it is right for us to be able to say, we are clothing ourselves with Christ. This is what we're called to. This is the clothing we're to put on. So this, because of who we are, then we put on the clothing of Christ, and then he says, this is what we are to do, verse 13. This is what we do. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. First he says, now this is what you are to do. Because you are in Christ, and because you are clothed with the clothing of Christ, then this is what you're to do. Bear with one another. Super easy to say, really hard to do. But this is, I become more and more convinced that this is the essence of relationship, of Christian community, is that we're willing to bear with one another. Because sometimes we don't always clothe ourselves with the right clothing in the right moment. Am I right? Sometimes we forget to be patient. Sometimes we forget to be humble. Sometimes we forget to be kind and gentle. Sometimes people, sometimes people get on our last nerve. I mean, I'm just saying, sometimes, and sometimes you get on other people's last nerve, right? I'm just saying, this is the life. Sometimes it's hard, and sometimes it's hard 
to relate to people who are so different than us. And the best we can do or the most Christ-like we can be is to bear with one another. To bear with one another. Sometimes we go through really, really hard seasons, don't we? Sometimes we go through seasons of depression or seasons of anxiety or seasons of extreme physical pain or seasons of therapy or seasons of stress or seasons of failure or seasons of spiritual dryness or seasons of numbness or seasons of change. And we go through these seasons and what we need is for people to bear with us. My greatest need would be just, I just need you to bear with me. I know that I'm being difficult. I know that it's hard. Would you bear with me? And sometimes you don't need to fix people. Sometimes you're not called upon to be the fixer. You're just there to bear with one another and to bear one another's burdens. We're just there to walk with one another through the realities of each of our lives. I'm not saying you excuse sin. I'm not saying you wipe issues under the rug that need to be get taken care of. What I am saying is that I'm admitting that sometimes I can be a complete pill and sometimes you can too. And I'm calling us, or more importantly, Paul, God is calling us to enter into a common shared humanity and to bear up underneath the weight of all of our differences and to bear with one another. And if we are going to bear with one another, he says, then we are going to have to do the hard work of forgiving one another, of forgiveness. He says that we, if there is any grievance against one another, then we are to forgive. This is not a suggestion. He's calling us to forgive. The expectation for the Christian life, who is someone who is identified with Christ, their identity is in Christ, they're being clothed with the clothing of Christ, is now that they would bear with one another and they would forgive one another. And I'm not talking about a surface level forgiveness where we just say, yeah, 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 I know I'm supposed to forgive and we move on as if that's actually done the work. You will never put on the clothes of Christ like we're called to if we don't do the hard work of the hard heart work of forgiveness, of forgiving one another. If you're unwilling to forgive, if you harbor bitterness, resentment, and self-pity, you will not clothe yourself as you ought. You will be, you, you, you will actually be moving in the opposite direction because bitterness and self-pity, bitterness, resentment, and self-pity are easy because they're a part of our old nature. They're a part of our default settings, right? It's easy to take up an offense. That's the easy thing to do, to get our back up and defend ourselves with our rights. The hard thing to do is to lay them down and to do the work of forgiveness when we've been deeply hurt. So what do we need to do? to ensure that we don't go back to our default settings, to deal with our bitterness, resentment, self-pity, our anger, our, our malice, our rage. First, we need to name it. We need to call it for what it is. We need, to quit putting, we need to quit justifying ourselves and we need to name it for what it is. I said, I need to name my bitterness. I need to name my resentment. I need to name my self-pity. I need to name it. I need to call it out. And then I need to repent. I need to turn away from it. I need to choose to name it and to turn from it. And then I must put on forgiveness. Why? Not because it's easy. 
not because it's what you want to do, not because you're, it's your greatest desire to, make, to live in peace and harmony. Those are all fine things. No, the reason we do it, according to Paul, is forgive as the Lord has forgiven you. We forgive one another because we have been forgiven in Christ. There is no place for grudges in the Christian life. There is no place for revenge in the Christian life. There is no place for retribution in the Christian life. There is no place for payback in the Christian life. There is no place for tit for tat in the Christian life. Because we are called to be those who have experienced the forgiveness of Jesus Christ. We are those who recognize that Jesus had to bear with lots of people in his earthly. He was God who took on flesh. He had to bear with religious, the pompous religious leaders who were trying to tell him how to experience God. He had to bear with them in order that he might be able to fulfill his mission. He had to bear with his disciples who continually act like buffoons. And he says, how long have I been with you? How long have I been with you? And then he had to forgive. For even Jesus, as he was hanging on the cross, looking down at the very people who were taking his life, who were spitting at him, who were calling out curses at him, says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And who are you then to stand on your soapbox with your rights? When God of the universe said to you, Forgive them for they know not what they do. Can we not be those who bear with others and be do the hard work of forgiveness because we have been forgiven so much in Christ? He calls us to that and therefore enables us to be able to clothe ourselves with the clothing of Christ. Well, finally, he says we will be known by how we love. Verse 14. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Put on love. Love is the belt that holds all these virtues together. Love is the oil that makes all of the virtues work in sync with one another. Love is the overcoat, if you like, that just pulls the outfit together. We ought to, over all of these things, the overwhelming sense of the Christian as we live the life of Christ, with the clothing of Christ, is love, is love. The false teachers were saying, no, if you really want to experience God, you need to do all of these rules. You need to follow the rules. Other religious teachers were saying, no, if you really want to experience God, if you, you need this extra spiritual mystical experience in order to know God. Paul says, no, 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 no. You are in Christ. So therefore put on love. Friends, if you are in Christ, then you have been chosen by God. You have been set apart for God. You, this morning, right now, are deeply loved by God. And so therefore, get dressed. Get dressed with the clothing that Christ bought for you, the righteous robes that you don't deserve. Put them on. And when you do, if I can say this reverently, then you have swagger that the world can't understand. You have a hop in your step. You have a stride. Because why? Because I am, 
a child of God. I have been chosen. I have been set apart for him. I am deeply loved. So walk out with confidence, church. Because you, as you put on the clothing of Christ, then it gives you a bounce in your step and you have every reason to walk into your Monday with great confidence and with great boldness and I say with great joy. Whatever your Monday holds or your Thursday or Friday, we are those who have been clothed with Christ. And so as we clothe ourselves, may we get dressed and may we walk with the swagger of Christ. If I can say that reverently, I try to. Let us pray. Father, we don't do this perfectly. We may not do this well. But we aspire as your children to be dressed with the, with the characteristics of Christ, with the clothes of Christ. And when we put these on, may we walk out in a way that changes our lives because we know we, who we are in you. We know how we are to live in you. And we know that we are deeply loved by you. So will you help us to do this for your glory and for your honor and for your praise. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.